listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Friday the 11th of February. You're listening to Recap, brought to you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. And here's the financial disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there, Alice. Hey Jose, how are you on this lovely Friday? Ah, oh, this Friday, this casual Friday. It's it's feeling good. It's feeling good to crack into the into the uh, weekend. How are you doing? I'm good. Yep. Yeah. No. Uh, as you say, casual Friday. Can't beat it. You can't beat casual <laughs> Friday. You can't beat. Uh, I was just, just thinking about yesterday. You might remember um, we were talking about what exactly what an earnings call is in the kind of yeah. American context, and that got me thinking about you know one of the other things we often talk about particularly when we are reporting uh, you know, results and earnings from uh, America. We talk about a lot about how, whether results actually beat or didn't beat expectations. Uh, yeah. It might be worth like going over like what we mean by that, what exactly that means. Who's, expect- totally. who's expecting what? <laughs> yeah, who, who are these analysts and what are they <laughs> expecting? Why? Yeah, yeah well, exactly. <laughs> so... Um, I guess the the concept of an analyst is like, um, you know, you have sort of financial or investment analysts um, who might be following particular companies. Now, in the US and in other parts of the world, you know, financial the financial sectors are generally generally a lot bigger than what they are in New Zealand. So you might have like a whole group of analysts who are following a particular company, and they're mm. basically, you know, using public information like of their financial statements they might be um like gathering all this intel on the industry and basically trying to forecast how the company's going and coming up with like a sort of valuation of the company now when you sort of group together all of these expectations about how the company's going and like the forecast for it um you know certain data providers one of them being a, a company called refinitive they sort of gather up all of these analyst expectations and sort of come up with a range and then like an average of what these analyst expectations are so they're kind of like experts following the company and trying to forecast how they're going so when we're saying like you know higher than an analyst expectations it means that the company's sort of um you know done better in that particular metric than what those analysts had thought and when we say they sort of missed expectations it means the company's sort of come in lower than those um we do kind of have uh, some analysts in new zealand like that but because our market is a lot smaller there are there are um sort of fewer and far between mm, yeah i'm sort of imagining in america there's just warehouses full of analysts just beavering away they probably are. The numbers. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. probably are, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like one of the conventions, like I've sort of learned when we're talking about that is, you know, when we say, you know, at bet Wall Street expectations, yeah. it's kind of a convention we're talking about the analysts, really. Totally. They're kind of grouping together of analysts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like the analysts all combine together what they're expecting. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Alice. Always a get a bit of clarity. Always great to get a bit of clarity there. And Clarity is forthcoming because just as a heads up for Casual Friday, uh, later on in this episode, I'm talking to the economist Tony Alexander. He's going to be talking about some really interesting trends in where and how investors in New Zealand 
uh, putting their money. It's a very illuminating chat that is later on in this episode. I'll kick us off with some news from the local market today. Oh. Uh, Kathmandu Holdings released an update on its trading performance for the first half of its financial year. Yeah, now before we get into it, I just want to clarify because I, I was particularly surprised when I found this out, but Kathmandu, the company, is more than just that, you know, the outdoor lifestyle Kathmandu brand where, you know, I just buy all my micro towels before I go away on Christmas holiday. It's also behind Rip Curl, the surf brand, and Oboe's, the footwear brand. That's right, and Kathmandu is listed on both the Australian and New Zealand stock exchanges. Uh, so just to clarify, we're all about clarifying things today. Uh, from here, I'll refer to the entire company as Kathmandu and say the Kathmandu brand if I'm just talking about that one particular part of the company. Oh, cool. So tell me more about this update today. Yeah, so this was in relation to the company's half year, which ended um, at the end of January. The company said that same store sales grew strongly since the reopening of uh, their Australasian store network. And um, that's despite further travel restrictions and significant disruption from the recent Omicron outbreaks. Now, just as a bit of a jargon buster, same store sales is a metric that's commonly used in the retail sector. It measures the sales from a company's existing retail stores. So it excludes the sales from stores that have opened during the time period under consideration. So so same store sales growth is referring to increases or decreases in sales revenue from a company's existing stores. It doesn't include the effect of uh, new stores, which if you include it could sort of distort um, that sales growth figure. This is going to turn out to be the most clarified uh, episode of Recap ever. Thanks for that explainer, Alice. So what happened for Kathmandu? Well, the Kathmandu brand's same store sales for the year, uh, year to date, that is, were 2.8% higher than the same period a year earlier. That's despite significant COVID store closures during some of that period, as the company pointed out. Now, as for Ripkill, uh, year to date sales were 1.6% below the same period last year, uh, with the company also citing those ongoing COVID impacts. And what about Oboes? Yeah, well, Oboes, as the company has previously indicated, has experienced factory shutdowns from the product from its product suppliers in Vietnam, and this has significantly impacted the company's ability to meet demand for its Oboes products. Uh, now, the, the company highlighted Oboes remains heavily impacted by supply chain disruption, although it expects this to improve in the second half of the year. And so, bringing this all together, where does this leave us? So, Kathmandu said it expects unaltered unaudited total group sales for the first half of the financial year to be around $405 million. And then uh, it expects underlying EBITDA or earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization uh, to be in the range of 9 to $11 million. And that's in line with uh, Kathmandu's previous guidance. Now we'll uh, be able to find out more hopefully on the 23rd of March, which is when the company is set to release its full set of half year results. Thank you very much, Alice. I have got a brand spanking new fourth quarter earnings for you from Twitter. So this will be the first lot of results under Twitter's new CEO, uh, Parag Agrawal. Uh, Twitter's co-founder, Jack Dorsey, he resigned from the CEO role back in November. So what did the company report today, Jose? 
Well, overall, uh, Twitter didn't quite reach expectations on a number of metrics. Earnings per share uh, was expected to land at $0.35, cents, but instead came in at $0.33. Cents. In revenue, Twitter recorded $1.57 billion versus $1.858 billion expected. And in monetizable daily active users, Wall Street expected Twitter to reach $218.6 million. They reported $217 million. Okay, what's behind all that? Uh, other social media companies like Meta and Snap, uh, as we said on Recap before, their, their results have been a bit impacted by Apple's privacy update to its operating system. Yeah, and Meta even reckoned it was going to have to shave $10 billion off its revenue simply uh, down to that change by Apple. But in the case of Twitter, the company said in its last quarter results that the impact was less than expected. And they've reconfirmed that this time around, saying there was a modest impact in the fourth quarter. Okay, so what else is going on? Uh, In terms of revenue, the company said there was a downturn in advertiser spending towards the end of the quarter, although that seems to have now picked up. Uh, Twitter also said they've seen growth in new signups and account reactivations. Uh, They've seen 25% year-over-year growth there. And in daily signups, they've seen 35% growth. And has that affected their guidance? Only to the extent it means that they've held on to their previous target for monetized active daily users. They want to hit 315 million users and make at least 7.5 billion in revenue by 2023. Okay, is there anything else from the earnings to note? Uh, yep, they also announced a new $4 billion share buyback program. Now, a buyback is exactly what it sounds like. It's when a company pays shareholders the market value per share and just basically reabsorbs that slice of ownership. Now, half of the buyback will be a rapid share repurpose uh, with the remaining shares to be bought uh, over time. Now, we've started the third year of the pandemic, and as we've seen, there's been some ups and downs where the market is concerned. And one of the key questions emerging from this period is how this is going to affect the way people invest. So starting this month, Sharesies is hosting a monthly survey and analysis by independent economist Tony Alexander. Yeah, Tony is a long-standing economist. He was the BNZ's chief economist for 26 years. And since 2019, he's been publishing his own surveys and analysis. You've probably seen him in the media offering his thoughts as a commentator. Now, we decided to have a chat with him about his first investing insights survey for Sharesies and what that can tell us about the way New Zealanders are investing. Tony, maybe the place to start is... You know, if, if someone pops onto the Sharesies website and clicks on the invest on the investing insights link there, can, can you describe what they'll find? Yeah, what you'll find initially is a blog with some of the headline results from the monthly survey. But then when you click into the, the document uh, itself, you're going to find the results of this monthly survey I've now been running for about three or four months, uh, where I asked the 25,000 people that subscribe to my weekly uh, publication uh, about what they're thinking uh, uh, of doing as an investor, a general investor with maybe a long-term portfolio, maybe it's just KiwiSaver or that sort of thing. And it's going to give insights basically into what people are thinking, what they're planning to do with their investments over the next 12 months is you know, specifically mm. what I asked for. But yeah, sometimes people are thinking one month ahead, sometimes maybe it's a little bit longer. Yeah, and why is it important important or useful that investors uh, get an insight into what other investors are thinking of doing or what their behaviour is? 
yet, yet too often, I think, in our lives, we live in a bit of a vacuum when it comes to making our personal decisions about maybe buying or selling a house, uh, taking out a mortgage, you know, fixing the mortgage rate and, and working with our investments, um, of course. And so what I aim to do with the range of monthly surveys which I've got, I also mm. survey mortgage advisors, uh, real estate agents, people as consumers, I'm aiming to get, first of all, coalface insights into what's happening right now, because you're not going to see that in the economic data for, you know, months, months in in arrears. Um, And also to let people know basically what other people are thinking. So you might be thinking something yourself and, and you might think, is this weird? People can look at the results of my surveys and go, no, actually, lots of other people are thinking the same thing. All right, then. So, Tony, let's have a look at some of the findings from the inaugural Investing Insights, which covers January. Now, the first thing is a question around if people were thinking about adding more money to investments. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of the headline question. I mean, Mm. uh, what one would hope is that people are thinking about investing more, that they're not so overly scared about COVID and who knows, Ukraine and all these sort of things that they're going to completely shut up shop and just have their money sitting in, in cash or gold bars or something. And what I've found over uh, over the three to four months is roughly about 80, 83% or so of people net um, are saying they're going to invest more. The most recent result was 79%. About four months ago, it was 88%. So A, many people are going to invest more, but B, there is a little downward trend underway at the moment. So right. that's the sort of thing I start to get interested in. Yeah. And so, so what's kind of uh, that, that little easing there, if you might say, what's kind of driving that? What would be the, the factors involved there? Yeah, I think if you look at the general commentary out there, there's a lot of people talking about, you know, have share markets in particular uh, peaked? You know, there's never anywhere near as much discussion about uh, commercial property or that sort of thing. But people are seeing a lot of volatility in share markets. We're looking at monetary policy tightening phases starting uh, all around uh, the world. And so people are just thinking, well, well, maybe I'll wait and see how some things are going to uh, develop. And what I've seen most notably ease away has been people's overall plans to invest in a a combination of shares, managed funds, ETFs, exchange uh, traded funds. So a bit of a pullback there, not quite so evident in any of the other assets they can uh, choose to invest Mm. in. And I guess the kind of follow-up question to that was, you know, what are you likely to invest in? I think 54% of respondents said they would buy more shares. Definitely the, the most favoured uh, asset people are looking at is shares. I mean, obviously you can buy, uh, you can sell. There's the long-term focus we've all learned about with managed funds, you know, KiwiSaver uh, uh, generally. Mm. And uh, like I say, there has been a bit of an easing there because that's where we're seeing some of the volatility uh, at the moment. But I can dig deeper into the results. I ask people, are you looking at uh, conservative funds or aggressive, yeah. et cetera? There's still a very strong focus on the long term of young people in particular. I can break the results down by different age groups. And young people in particular, very strongly focused still on long-term gains with aggressive growth-focused managed funds. That's really interesting. And what sectors are people invested in? Yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes uh, certainly to the equities there, uh, across the the four surveys so far, uh, it's consistently uh, energy, uh, IT and healthcare. Now, I don't know if that specifically reflects any makeup for the New Zealand share market or whatever, but um, very consistent results, which, you know, as an analyst, one always finds uh, are very useful. It sort of validates the, the survey results from month to month. But but yeah, IT, healthcare, and uh, and energy there. Was there anything else in the in the survey you found surprising, just out of interest? 
Oh, not so much surprising. Uh, no. Again, validation for some of the things we mm. know. Like, again, you look at the age breakdown on crypto. So, you know, when uh, people, I ask them about what are the range of assets you can look at, shares, you know, uh, businesses, these, these sort of things. And uh, for crypto, I think it's about 7% or so overall. So, you know, they'll invest in crypto assets. Mm. But you start it for those uh, under 30, 35% saying, yep, I, I'll, I'll do some net buying of crypto. For 31 to 50-year-olds, 21%. 51 to 65-year-olds, 9%. And for the group over 65, just 3%. So, uh, you know, using apps, uh, definitely a young person's game, but stretching well into the older age groups there. But for cryptos, still very much uh, the young person sort of uh, environment there. Mm, interesting. Now, we've just talked about some of the data that's in the survey, but ultimately, like, what's your kind of like one big takeaway from this edition? Yeah, I guess the big takeaway would be there. there is high interest in the New Zealand population in investing in things other than residential property. The impression which one often gets is that all Kiwis invest in is each other's houses and maybe they've got some Kiwi saver and that's it. Well, no, no, that's not it at all. There is an intensively high level of interest in purchasing equities and uh, other assets and uh, through the survey, I'll be able to see how that morphs over time, especially over the next few years as people look to rebalance their portfolios a bit away from residential property, where because of soaring valuations, they're sort of overexposed and towards other sorts of assets. And that's a key reason I've set this up to track that change, that rebalancing um, over time. And that a first edition of the Investing Insights Survey is available via the Sharesies website and blog. You'll find a link to a PDF of the full of the full report, but also a really good summary of the main points. There will be a link in the episode description should you wish to check it out. Yeah, totally. And there are some really interesting insights in there, uh, and it'll be fascinating to see where investing goes in this coming year. And that takes us to the end of the show and the end of the week. That was a recap for the 11th of February. Thank you so much for listening. And it would be a help if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz. And you can also leave a voice message. There will be a link to that in the episode description. We'll see you next week. See ya. Have a great weekend. Bye.